Our scripture reading this morning is the 130th Psalm, if you'd like to read along with us, Psalms number 130, and this is the word of the Lord. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Amen. I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. I'd like to begin this morning by echoing the words of our dear brother Fred Evans. He began Wednesday night service down here in San Diego with these words. It is my prayer, my prayer, that we are here this morning to see Christ. That we have come here today to receive a message from Him. Not from John, not from Fred, but from God. That should be all of our prayer. We're here to have a message. Lord, what would you have for me today? That was a great message on Wednesday night, but that was Wednesday night. What do you got for me today? You see, between then and now, I've had to walk through this valley of the shadow of death, through this world that we all live in, just as you have. One of the brothers in, in San Diego said this to me. He said, he said, you know, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. I, I, I deal with this sin in my flesh all day long, I, I, seven days a week, all the hours of the day. And he says, God's given us such a wonderful, wonderful thing that by the Internet we can go and listen to somebody on Tuesday night. We can go and listen to another on Wednesday night. We can go and hear another message on Thursday night, on Friday night, and then again on Sunday morning. Because I need to hear message. I need to hear my Lord's word over and over again. I echo his words. I need to hear it. I need to be where God's word is preached. You all know my, my story, how the Lord brought me here. And I've shared with you many a times on how I kept coming back. I kept, where are you going? You're going back to church again next Sunday? Yeah, why? I don't know. And it's been that way for 23 years. I can only tell you that I am here because my Lord has brought me here. You're here this morning. Because the Lord has brought you here to hear from Him. 
I go through the scriptures and I read this and I read that. And I said, Lord, what would you have me bring for your sheep this morning? And sometimes he doesn't tell me until the last minute. In fact, more cases than not, I don't usually have a message until early Sunday morning. Folks, it's my prayer for you. My prayer for each and every one of you is that God will speak to you this morning, not me. That our Lord has brought you here to hear from Him. To hear of Christ. To see Him in the Word preached. Our Lord did not bring me here to go out into the yonder world and preach the gospel to others. I'm thankful for men who do. I'm thankful for men who leave their churches behind and can come here occasionally and preach for us, preach to me. I'm thankful that we could go out and spend two weeks and, and hear other men preach. But that's not what the Lord has brought me here for. The Lord has brought me here that I would preach to you, to those who he would bring through these doors out of this area, to those who he would draw on the internet to listen to this church, to this little place in the woods, the message of Christ and him crucified. To preach his gospel to those that he sees fit to bring here, that they might feast on him Folks, we were created for fellowship. You know, some may say I wasn't, and they like to be alone by themselves. That's so rare, though. We come in packs, don't we? We hang out together with those of like mind, don't we? That's what we were created for, to be together. We were created for fellowship, for coming together in like faith, God-given faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you in Hebrews chapter 10? Look at verses 19 with me if you would. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. Boldness. That means without fear. That means stand up. Don't cower down. Stand up with boldness and enter into the holiest of holies. Enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. But by a new and living way, verse 20, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, in that old temple of the old days, there was this big heavy veil that hung across in the, in the inside of the temple. And, and I don't remember the exact description of it, but I remember it was supposedly it was so thick that you, you couldn't even hear anything through it. Definitely you couldn't see anything on the other side of the veil. And on the other side of that veil was the mercy seat, the holiest of holies. And one day out of every year, not every day, but one day out of every year, the highest priest would go in there with blood and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. 
a picture of what it was for Christ to come to this earth and shed his blood for you and I. A picture of what it cost for you and I to spend an eternity with our Father in heaven. A picture of what it cost for them, the one who has loved us from before the world was. And it was his flesh is what that was a picture of. But that flesh has been opened up since the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross and shed his own blood for us. We come boldly to that mercy seat now. Right now, coming before the Lord Jesus Christ and crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a an high priest over the house of God. Jesus Christ is our high priest. He's the intercessor. Just as the high priest in that day would go into the holiest of holies, for who? For himself and for the people. Christ went into the holiest of holies for his people. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Mike and I were talking about that earlier this, just a moment ago. As we see the day approaching. You know, today is one day closer than yesterday. That's the day approaching. Our Lord spoke of the last days. You know what that is? That was from the day our Lord was born until right now. Could be tomorrow too. That could be the end of all the last days tomorrow. I don't know. None of us know that. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful because we would find some way to say, "Oh, you know, I don't have to do that right now. I'll do that later." Procrastinate. That's my problem. I procrastinate. Some of you probably don't understand that, folks. The day is coming when every one of us will stand before Jesus Christ. God Almighty on His throne. And we're going to have to answer. We're going to have to answer. Lord, I know I'm evil in the flesh. I stand in Your Son and in Him alone. I have nothing to stand in this flesh at all. I stand in Him. I need to be around that. I need to be reminded of that at all times. You know, I told a story, this, I heard this story some time ago, uh, I believe it was maybe even been Pastor Gene, there was a, a pastor of a church and a man who had been attending the church for many years, faithful man, loved to hear the Word of God, and one day he just stopped coming. One day he just it wasn't there. He was, the pastor looked down and he was no longer in the seat over there. And another Sunday went by. He wasn't there again. 
Another Sunday went by and he still wasn't there. So finally the pastor went to the man's house. Knocked on the door and the man opened the door and said, Hello, pastor. Would you like to come in? Yes, I would. And he came in and he sat down. There was a nice fire going on in the fireplace. And they sat there. The man waited for the pastor to speak. The pastor didn't say a word. After a while, sitting there quiet, just listening to the crackle of the fire, the pastor reached over and he grabbed those tongs, you know, that hang by next to the fire there, and he reached in and he grabbed a, a piece of coal. He pulled it out and he set it on the brick over here outside of the fire. Sat there for a while. Instead of watching the fire, now they began to watch that little piece of coal. And it started to grow dark. The fire was going out in it. It became cold and hard like a piece of coal is. That's a piece of coal's nature, to be cold and hard. And then gently the pastor reached over with those tongs again and he picked that cold, dark piece of coal up and he put it back in the fire. Within minutes, it started to turn red hot again. The pastor got up and left. As he got a few feet away from the door, the man opened the door again up and he said, Pastor, I got your message. I'll see you next Sunday. God's people need our Lord every minute of every day. We are surrounded by the things of this world. Why did I have to leave my home every Sunday and come here to this place? Because it's cold and it's dark. And when John's out there in the world, he gets just like it. Cold and dark. I need the fire of my Savior. Amen. I need to hear Him. I need to hear a message from Him to me. I need to hear of His saving grace to this one who can turn cold just like that. Now I'd like you to turn over to the book of Acts, if you would please. Acts chapter 2. I have another confession. Your pastor's heart has been troubled. Troubled with coming together and wondering, Lord, is this even what you want me to be doing? Am I... Am I Am I just taking advantage of what God has given me to live here in the woods? Or has God got me here for some other reason? Am I here to preach the gospel? Is that what I'm here for, Lord? You know, Isaiah cried out, Am I all alone? Am I alone in this world? Our pews are empty. 
Friday night, sometimes it's just Kathy and I and two others. I murmur against my Lord. I, I highly recommend you go to Sermon Audio and listen to Fred Evans a week ago today. He preaches on the murmuring of Christ. When I heard that message, it spoke to me. Every person God has desired to be here today is here. <laughs> Every one of you are here because of Him. Everyone who's here online is because of Him. Kathy and I are here because of Him. We come together in a like mind. That was why I had to come. That's what I needed to be here. I wish I could have told you that. And I'm thankful that today I can tell her that. Why do I have to be here next Sunday? Because this is where the Lord wants me. I want to be where He is. I like hearing the gospel preached. It blesses me as I walk through this world and I see the flesh that I'm in and I see the worm that I am before a righteous God and I see the grace and the mercy my Lord has for people, for His people. We come together in a like mind with hearts that love His Word. We love Him because He first loved us. We come together to worship and to give praise to the Lord of glory. Allow me to read this these, these uh, verses, I got one, two, three, four, five. I want to read to you real quick before we go into the, 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 the book of Acts. In Romans 15, 6, we read this that ye may be with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Listen to this, folks. Listen to these words. Philippians 1, 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 2, verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love of one accord, of one mind. And then finally, in 1 Peter 3, verse 8, Peter writes, finally, be, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, pitiful and courteous. We read with me in our text today, in chapter, in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Let's begin, if you would, at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation, this crooked generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And here's my verse. Here's the verse of our text today. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I've titled this morning's message, The Apostles' Doctrine. What is the Apostles' Doctrine? It says they continued steadfastly. That means they continued weekly, almost daily. How many ever times a week you want to say it is? It's continuing. It's not doing something and then going off for a month or two, doing something else and then coming back and worship again later. I know of a man. No, none of you know him. who professes to believe the Lord Jesus Christ and all that the scriptures teach us of him, who professes, who professes the same things you and I profess, yet he attends no church at all. He doesn't worship at any congregation with anyone. I fear the man deceives himself. Who's the great deceiver? Who's the greatest of all deceivers? You think it's the devil? <laughs> I deceive myself better than anyone else. Think about the last time you justified something you were doing. Oh, I play golf every week because I need to get away and just not think about things. You get my point? Do you understand what I just did? Why do I play golf every week even though it's so frustrating? Because I'm justifying myself. I'm deceiving myself. I do it because I like the things of the world. I enjoy and every one of us have something in this world that we enjoy, don't we? Yes. And I don't care how you put it, you're justifying it no matter what you say. We justify ourselves by what we do, and that's the deception we put in our lives. That man I told you about is deceiving himself, thinking that he is worshiping God, walking around, and just believing. What is the apostle's doctrine? It's going to be very clear that this man is deceiving himself. The doctrine means it's a teaching. What is the doctrine? What is the teaching? What is the message? Let me first show you what it's not. Mark your spot in Acts. We're going to come back to that and go over to the book of Jude. What is the apostles' doctrine? What did the apostles teach before the people? What was their message to the people? 
This is what it's not. Look at the book of Jude, verse chapter 1, verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified. Now here he is preaching to them. He's preaching. This is one of God's ministers preaching to the people. What is their message? What is their, what is their teaching? He's preaching to the sanctified, those who have been sanctified by the Lord God Almighty, those who have been made holy, not in what they have done, but by the Lord Jesus. That's what it says. By God the Father and preserved in Christ, in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should be earnestly content for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This is why we need to come together as often as God gives us the opportunity to, to be to be exhorted, to exhort one another, to be content for the faith which was once delivered unto us. And then he goes on to tell us why. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old. They crept into the church. People didn't notice it. George, sitting over here in the front pew, contently, earnestly listening to everything that's being said, smile on his face, enjoying what he's hearing. Yet he's never experienced grace. And you and I wouldn't know it. And he was ordained to be in that pew by God Almighty. Ordained. For there are certain men who have crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. These men who were ordained of old to come into the church unawares, turning the grace of our God into wickedness. That's what that word lascivious means. Evil. Taking the grace of God and mixing it with works. Taking the grace of God and saying, that's okay, yes, you can have Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you've got to do this too. You've got to get in that water of baptism. You've got to come down to the front of the church and say a prayer. You've got, you got to accept. You've got to make a decision today to change your life around. They're turning the grace of God. God's grace is this. He's done it all. Everything has been supplied to us by Him. Even when I shook my hand in His face and said, You shall not rule over me. You're mine, John. I will have you. I didn't come to the Lord kicking and screaming. He made me willing. Just as He has made each and every one of you. I'm willing to be here. I'm desirous to be here but it's only by His grace. Can we ever see the depth that our Lord has for us? 
If you can't see it in what I just said, how about this? He gave His only begotten Son so that you would live. So that you shall live eternally with Him. So that I will praise my Lord forever. Oh, for that day to come when I'll praise Him perfectly like He is. What is the doctrine, the teaching of the apostles? Well, it's not coming in and trying to mix in grace with or works with grace. It's not trying to come in and, and bring the yoke of the law down on people. Folks, the law is good. I have such a desire in my heart to be a true follower of my Lord and Savior, but I know I'm not. I know I can't. I want to keep fighting the good fight. I want to keep looking to the prize. And the only way to do that is to have faith in the one who's fulfilled everything for me. The one who's fought that fight and won the fight for me. What is the apostles' doctrine? It's the same message God's preachers have preached since the fall of man. Paul wrote these words to 1 Corinthians 1, 1 verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. You know, let me just, let me turn over there real quick and read that completely. I only put a couple of, uh, I only put that one verse in there, but I'm going to read the whole thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 23. You gotta you gotta read the whole thing, John. You can't just read part of it. You gotta read it all. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Oh, oh how We preach Christ. What is the Apostles' doctrine? It's the same message God's preachers have preached since the fall of man. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You remember the story, our Lord, after He had arose from the dead, was walking on the road to Emmaus with two disciples. They didn't even know who He was at the time. The greatest preacher of all time was walking right alongside of two men doing what? Preaching himself. You say, well, how do you know that? John says so in Luke 24, 27 and beginning at Moses. Remember, the New Testament wasn't finished yet. Beginning at Moses. The very beginning of the Old Testament. The very part that says, in the beginning Beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What is the apostles' doctrine? Christ. Sovereign grace. 
grace that he sheds upon his people under no merit unto them, but because of his Son, our Lord and Savior, and only because of him. The clothing of Adam and Eve with the skins that's spoken of in the beginning of Genesis was a picture of God covering the sins of his people. Remember Adam and Eve, they tried to cover themselves? Remember that? I can do this. I'm naked. All my nakedness is now exposed. I can cover myself. No, you can't. No, because he who sees all sees right through it. And that's what's important, is the one who sees it all. He's going to look right through that self-righteousness that you think you have. That, oh, I'm a good person now. I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I quit doing this. I'm doing all the things God tells me to do in the book now. That's not good enough. You can't do it perfectly, and it must be perfect. That's why the blood of Christ is so important to each and every one of us. We know don't we? That we can't. We know that there is no righteousness in this flesh. We have no confidence in whatever we think, whatever we do, whatever we feel. All of our confidence is in Him. In what He has done for us. God's preachers, God's messengers, they preach one message. They preach one doctrine. Christ the Lord who gave Himself and saved His people. We preach that God was manifest in the flesh. God humbled himself and became the servant of us. The servant of men. The servant of his people. He got down on his knees and washed the feet of every child of, that God the Father had given him. Does your feet need washed? Mine does. Over and over and over again. We preached that God was manifest in the flesh. We preached that the, God, the blood of God was shed upon a cross a little over 2,000 years ago. The perfect blood of God was shed upon the mercy seat who is God, who is Jesus Christ Himself. And that blood was sufficient to pay our debt. We are washed clean in His sight. Go back to your text and in Acts chapter 2. We preach that God laid down His life and by His power He took it up again. Death could not hold Him. We expound from the Scriptures the things concerning Him. I hear, I hear preachers who go out and they spend their whole amount of time that God has given them and God has given them this time, by the way. He's, he's sovereign God of everything. He's sovereign God over those who don't even know that He's God. He says, I'm not the God of the dead. That means that, that means that they don't know that He's God. He's actually God of everything. He says, I'm God of the living. To you and I who have been given life to see the truth of His Word, to see the love for His people, to see the blood that was shed for our sakes, to see His grace in saving us. He is God. 
We expound from the scriptures the things concerning him. Peter gives us this message right here in verses 20 through, 22 through 24 of Acts chapter 2. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Now why didn't he say ye men and just leave it at that? You know, I'm sure there were Jews and Greeks and Gentiles alike in the in the in the surround in those that were surrounding him. Why didn't he say just stop right there and leave it at that? He says, "Of Israel, hear these words. God only speaks to His people, and this is God Almighty speaking to you and I, Israel." Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. Nobody could ever do the miracles Christ did. Even the apostles hadn't had the ability to do it yet. God gave them the ability finally, but it took it was him who went out and started the miracles. Nobody had ever seen that kind of a miracle before. Nobody had ever seen a hand that was withered all of a sudden become whole. Nobody saw a man who's dead and been buried in a, in a tomb. The rock rolled away, come floating out of that tomb. How else could he have come out? He was still bound in his, in his burial clothes. God said, remove the stone. The light shined in. The light of life shined in upon that dead body, giving that body life. So when Christ said, Lazarus, come forth, just as he said to each and every one of us, Now, I didn't hear those words audibly, but I heard them preached to me when I sat right there in that pew. John, come forth. This one who had done wonders and signs which God did in, by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, Peter goes on in verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel who, who determined it? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's who determined it. That's the counsel. God doesn't need you and I to counsel Him. Where were we when He created everything? Isn't that what He said to Job? Who, who do you think you are? I'm the one who created everything, is what He says. I, I didn't need you. God doesn't need us. Oh, does it? It just burns me up to hear people say, Christ needs you to come to Him today. Won't you, won't you come to Jesus now? He needs you. <laughs> exactly. How laughable. God doesn't need us. Amen. Which makes His grace so wonderful. He doesn't need us, Mike. But He wants us. <laughs> and what He wants, He gets. Because <laughs> He's God. Oh, that just blessed my heart to know that the Lord, who is made by His determinate counsel and foreknowledge, He have, ye, ye, ye sons of Israel, have taken by wicked hands and have crucified and slain. Did you know who crucified the Lord Jesus? You and I did. He didn't go to that cross for all the sins of the world. 
Those reprobates that were there at that day when he was crucified, they all went to where they're supposed to go. He went to the cross for us. For our sins. To pay our debt. Verse 24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Now I want to jump over to verse 29 and read a couple of verses there. Verse 29, Peter goes on to say, And men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, speaking of David, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath of him, you know what David said in his final last days? The very last words David said on his deathbed was this, Even though, even so it be not with my, my household. And I may not be saying those words exactly, but to that point. Even though, even though it be not with my household, you have made a covenant with me. God has made a covenant with his people. That's a promise. That his people shall be saved. That's what David believed. That's what we believe, isn't it not? We believe that his promises are good. We believe that what he says he will do, he will do. Because we believe him to be God. Oh. Therefore being a prophet and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath unto him that of the fruit of his loins, of the fruit of David's loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing this before. David saw this in his day. He spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. This is the resurrection. This is what we just read about a moment ago. By the determinate counsel you have taken by wicked hands and have crucified, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. That's what that's talking about. Seeing this then, he seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Now go back to verse 26. David rejoiced. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall, shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life that shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now go on to verse 32. This Jesus, says Peter, hath God raised up, and therefore, where this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses, therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father, this is the, this is the gospel, this is the message, this is the message of the apostles, this is the message of every one of God's preachers. What was the message of the apostles? What is it we are to stand for? 
fast into, what is it we're to stand steadfastly, continue in, in the apostles' doctrine? This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses, verse 32, therefore being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith unto himself, Lord, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. This is the message that we seek. This is the living water that God's people thirst for. We need Christ, Christ, Christ. We need His grace, grace, grace. Practical godliness, practical godly living is desired. I know ministers who spend hours a week on TV preaching practical godliness and I never hear the word of grace from them. Practical godliness didn't save anybody. Grace does. Mercy does. I told you this when the Lord brought me here, and I asked you if you wanted me to be your pastor. I said, I don't, I'm not coming here to teach you how to be good. You know. Every one of us know. Should I not do that, Pastor? Don't hand me that. You know whether you should or not. Little kids know the right from wrong. We're born with it. When Adam and Eve took of the, took of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of, of good and evil, it was passed on to all of us. That's why they saw their nakedness. They saw they were naked before God because they were worms. We see that we are naked before God and unable to do anything pleasing in His sight but God who is rich in mercy wherewith He gave His Son for us. Salvation is the message needed. Now read our text again if you would, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And I'll make this quick. We come together in fellowship. Notice it doesn't say coming together and just reading the Word of God by yourself. It says come together in fellowship. I began this message by talking about those of us, those who can't be here, those who aren't here, those a man who says he has a profession of Christ but yet doesn't worship anywhere. Continue in the fellowship. What's next? breaking of bread and prayer. Listen to this if you would, and I'm running a little long, but I'm sorry. I've I got to get this message. i got to get this message through. When people, What kind of activities does your church have? Notice that we don't have a band. We're not throwing some kind of play. We're not here to entertain children. What kind of activities does your church have? 
Don writes these words. He says, when people go around church shopping, as they often do, they seldom ask any question about doctrine. He says, I suppose they presume that all churches gave up doctrinal distinction long ago. And for the most part, they would be correct in, in, in a, such a presumption. But one question they almost always ask is, what kind of activities does your church have? Most preachers and most churches realize that people like an activity of some kind. They like to be entertained. They like to do something. So the preacher and the church is gladly comply to that. Whatever it takes to draw a crowd and keep people happy. You know, I get, I get advertisements all the time. John, just call this number and, and we'll help you grow your church. We're going to get to that in just a second. I, I'm going long, I know. Bear with me, please. Whatever it takes to draw a crowd goes on, Don, to keep the people happy, they will do. They'll have ball teams, puppet shows, movies, social programs for every age, and concerts, which the church of the 20th century provides for an activity for its members. In the New Testament, they had another kind of activity. We just read in Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. <laughs> they continued Christ in him crucified. Fred Evans kept saying this over and over and over again as we were sitting there. Just keep preaching Christ. Well, what about this? Just keep preaching Christ. The rest of it will all work itself out. That's all we need, folks. Christ. Yeah. But that's everything, isn't it? Is that your everything? They continued in the Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship of the saints, the observance of the Lord's Supper, unity of the Spirit, joy, and the praise of God. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Don writes this, he says, I like those activities, don't you? Next Friday night, we have services at 7 p.m. Christ will be our message. Next Sunday morning at 10 a.m., we have Bible study. Guess what the message will be? Christ. Next Sunday at 11 a.m., we have services. The message is going to be Christ. We all know right from wrong. I don't need to tell you. God has written His law on the hearts of all men. We all have tasted the, the knowledge of good and evil. But I ask you, have you tasted grace? Has God made you see the worm that you are? Are you the beggar in the corner begging for mercy? Or are you the prideful Pharisee standing up saying, Thank you, Lord, I'm not that. Look at verses 42 through 47 of our text, and I'll bring it to a close. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Now, that's not the word, that's not a fear of, of, uh, of punishment. That's a reverential fear. That's looking to the Almighty. That's looking to Him who has all power from somebody who has none. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them all to men as every man had need. And they continued 
daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and a singleness of heart. What was that singleness of heart? Praising God. That's what it says in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. We all have been brought together with the same gospel message. We come as one with the apostles declaring this, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I don't just say that with these lips, I say this with my heart. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord says unto you and I, Blessed art you. Blessed art thou. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he says this, Upon this rock, the rock of Christ, our Savior, upon him. You can stand on this. You can grasp a hold of this. This is something worth holding on to. He's got a hold on you and won't let go. Upon that rock, he says, I will build my church. Not John, not some fancy thing that somebody wants to sell me, not some band that we're going to, not some event that we're going to do to attract more people into the church. Preaching Christ. Preaching Christ and Him crucified. God will build His church. Those that shut should be saved. That's what it said. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the one accord whom we, whom he is called. The doctrine of grace. For by grace are we saved through faith, a gift of God, not of works, lest we should boast. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to go along on that, folks. I hope it was a blessing to you.